You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Hive Hoops, I'm your host, Joshua Balta. Part two with Patrick Simon, the newest contributor for Hornets Lead. You are getting that today. Part one uh, released earlier on in the week. And so now we are on part two where we talk all things Summer League, give uh, our reactions, our opinions, our breakdowns on what we saw in Summer League. Patrick has a new article that will be dropping any day now. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. We'll boost that, all of those things. But we've had a couple occurrences this week within the Charlotte Hornets organization. You had Miles Bridges' uh, press conference, and then you also had LaMelo Ball's press conference. Mitch Kupchak was present at both. And so just briefly, I want to give my thoughts. I want to go a little deeper on a few things that I had uh, you know, stated and what I had come out on social media and said. I got some pushback, especially – when it comes to Miles Bridges, uh, I did not like his remarks about how he he brought up his childhood and being drafted. I I hope that you know you guys see me as the same kid, and I prove to you that I'm the same kid that you drafted, you know, five years ago. I I didn't like those remarks. Um, got a lot of hey, it ain't that deep. Reading too much into it, bro. Um you know, you're a hater, different things like that. And, um, you know, I just want to, I want to go a little bit deeper into that. Right. And I got some, uh, I think it was just poor choice of words. Um, I agree. It didn't sound the best, but hopefully, you know, it was just, you know, poor choice of words. And I kind of want to speak to that as well. Um, man, you've had 12 months since this incident occurred. You've been out of the game. Uh, You've been in local news cycle because, I mean, honestly, it hasn't gotten that much traction, you know, from the national media. But you've had 12 months to really think, to improve upon yourself, right? But then to also come up with what your statement will be once you do come back. And so I really didn't want a poor choice of words, but I also wanted, you know, genuine remarks as well. And maybe you can't get both of those or maybe it, maybe it was genuine. I don't know. Maybe, you know, I'll touch on that in a little bit, but you have like the John Morant situation that happened where the NBA forced his hand to come out and, you know, apologize and make his statement And then you have just a month and some weeks go by and then the same thing happens again. So that tells you that the first statement meant nothing. He's just playing the PR game. And that's what a lot of this is, right? You're just playing the PR game. But when it comes to Miles, he's had – he didn't have just a month. He didn't make a blanket statement and then the next month do something again. He's had a full calendar year now to come up with these statements. I don't want poor choice of words. I want I want well thought out words. I want but then also you want you know genuineness and I don't know if you can get both but the, the 
remark that I had a problem with is his opening remarks were fine. He was talking about therapy, working on himself, getting second chances, thankful for that, um, you know, working on himself. All of that's fine. Okay. But the one statement where he says, you know, I just want to prove to you guys that I'm the same kid that you drafted five years ago. Immediately, what that brings back is naivety and innocence of a child, right? Because he used the word kid. He used, you know, it going back five years in the past. And I just want to prove to you guys that I'm that same kid that you drafted five years ago. I don't, it, it feels like a deflection. Um, that don't don't look at me as this man who committed this heinous crime and 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 who beat the mother of his children and we saw the pictures come out i mean don't don't view me as that view me as the kid that you drafted 5 years ago because all of us that brings up it's almost like a like a deflection of responsibility Okay. It's almost like it's a deflection of, you know, taking on accountability for your actions because he never truly just came out and said, I'm sorry to, you know, everybody for my actions and for the domestic violence. Uh, That's not who I want to be remembered as. That's not who I want to be. And I want to you know, apologize to all women who have ever, you know, been at the hands of domestic violence and different things. Like nothing like that happened, right? He did not apologize for any of those things. And maybe that's part of, you know, him pleading no contest and still just trying to playing that middle game to where he doesn't really have to apologize for the exact act that he actually committed because he never pled guilty and was never fully charged, I guess you could say, because he did plead no contest. So maybe that's just part of, you know, the route that he's going. But that's what I would have liked to hear because, you know, I had somebody, uh, I had somebody say, man, you're pushing, you must have an agenda. And I was, no, I don't have an agenda, but I do have two daughters. And like that, I mean, there's no agenda against Miles Bridges whatsoever. He's a Charlotte Hornet. He's back. Uh, we all kind of saw the writing on the wall. Mitch stated over and over again that he was going to prioritize Charlotte's restricted free agents uh, in free agency. And um, he hasn't fully done that, uh, i.e. P.J. Washington. But when it comes to Miles, um, he did bring him back. And we saw that. We always kind of felt like this was where, you know, the road was going to lead. But there's no agenda. It's just he did a really horrible thing. And, you know, I I think when you see it, like, the fan base, it's weird because the fan base, like, doesn't want to hear and doesn't want to talk about what he did. Like, it's almost like – there's no, like nobody is asking for Miles to be held accountable. No one is, you know, really pushing him 
or like people just want to forget about it at this point. Now, I'm not saying that's everybody, but from what I'm seeing online on social media from a lot of Hornets fans is it's time to move on. Second chances. Who are you to judge? Uh, Michelle Johnson wants him to have a second chance. Who are you to say that he shouldn't have a second chance and all those things? He can have a second chance. And I, I've seen the same stuff come from Michelle Johnson that everybody else has, you know, but <laughs> that still doesn't make it just totally easy just to accept that everything's okay now. And so I wanted to hear more from Miles in that regard, and I didn't want him to lean on his childhood. Remember, you know, I hope that I can prove that I'm still that same kid at Actually, I hope you're not the same. I hope that you're better. I hope that you've improved on yourself. I hope that, you know, we, we don't have to hear about Miles Bridges being involved in something like this ever again. And, you know, he said he he stated that uh, Mitch Kupchak put his confidence behind him and said, hey, we're trusting that Miles isn't going to do this, that he's going to prove that he is, you know, and has made the change where he can be counted on. Right. Um, but I did not love those remarks. I did not love, and you know, look, the Hornets, the Hornets, they're an organization. They have to play the PR game. Like PR is a massive part of a basketball franchise of any pro sports franchise. You have to, and they've been handed a bad hand and, you know, it is what it is. Um, but I, I didn't I, I did not love the word choice and I don't it just felt like you scapegoating his childhood like I'm the same kid that you drafted five years I, I don't want to think about you as a kid like you're not a kid like you as a grown man put your hands on another woman like apologize step like like for real apologize like I'm not saying you know half-heartedly or you know, just play the game and put out a blanket. I'm sorry for the embarrassment because that's really all that was stated. Like, I'm sorry for embarrassing the franchise. I'm sorry, you know, sorry to the NBA, but thankful for the second chance. Like, I don't love that. And, you know, he says that he's going to continue working on himself. Um, he wants to work in the community. I mean, he, he, he said some good things. I don't think that it was all terrible. But I don't want to picture you as the kid that we drafted on draft night five years ago. That's that's not what I want to envision. That's It feels like a deflection, and I didn't like that. Uh, when it came to LaMelo Ball's press conference, uh, <laughs> much much happier, right? And But then Mitch Kupchak stated some things, and it was just kind of – and he did in the – he he did in the Miles Bridges press conference too, and we've we've heard him go the well. That's all I'm going to say about that, or I don't want to say anything more about that right now. And it was when he was asked about you know the investigation and how much the Hornets you know looked into Miles Bridges situation, and he said that they did the best that they could with the information that they had, uh, and that's pretty much all I'm going to say about that. And then he. That's the second time that he stated that within the last month. He said the same thing on draft night with Brandon Miller. And it seemed like on draft night that he was going to say, you know, 
freshmen in college make mistakes, wrong place, wrong time. He's young. And, uh, you know, he was a freshman, one of the youngest freshmen. And it's almost like, wait, no, he's not one of the youngest freshmen. There's a bunch of other freshmen in the draft, too, that the Hornets could have selected. Scoot Henderson, two years younger than him, right? And Mitch Kupchak just kind of well, – he's young and he was just well, – he's a freshman. And, um, well, I better not go there. That's – yeah, I'm not going to speak on that. And then he, he did it again in Miles Bridges. So – like, I'm just – when it comes to Mitch Kupchak, was was I expecting him to go into full detail of what happened? Was I – I wasn't expecting it on draft night when the Charlotte Hornets selected Brandon Miller, and I wasn't expecting full details at the press conference with Miles Bridges. But, I mean, something. And something more than just stammering over yourself and then just saying, well, I better not go there. Well, that's all I'm going to say. Well – I'm going to back off of that. Like, you also need to be prepared. Like, you've, like, Mitch Kupchak, you've also had 12 months to come up with something to say. Mitch Kupchak, you also, apparently, the Charlotte Hornets franchise and organization in front office was set on Brandon Miller for a month. You had a month in that situation to come up with something better to say. Like, I don't want Mitch Kupchak being the spokesman and the mouthpiece of this organization anymore when it comes to the public, because we don't get answers. We really don't get to the bottom of things. And it's just kind of the same thing. And then when you come to LaMelo Ball's press conference, LaMelo said a bunch of good things, you know, winning, loved it here in Charlotte, easy decision, you know, all of those things. But then it comes to Mitch Kupchak and it's that. It's it's just a bunch of stammering, and then he states again, I believe that this is a playoff team. Um, I believe that the talent is within the system and the organization, and that I think that we should be competing for a – I'm paraphrasing here, right? That we should be competing for a playoff uh, spot, and that I really don't see any massive holes at any – place maybe want to add you know a ball handling backup guard uh maybe a vet but that's really all I see here and here's the thing I too believe that the roster should be in a playoff position they just should I mean you have a healthy LaMelo ball here's the thing everything always relies on health but that's for every team right if the Chicago Bulls don't have a healthy Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan and Nikola Vucevic, they're done. Like, they're they're done. If the Knicks don't have a healthy Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, they, they are done. So, I mean, it's like that with every team. It doesn't matter. Any other team, the Nets, if Mikael Bridges, who never misses a game, but if for some reason he misses games for the first time in his career – for extended amount of time, Cam Johnson, uh, you know, Nick Claxton, different guys, they are done. That I mean, that's just the case for anybody, right? Um, but it feels like with the Charlotte Hornets, in order for where the Hornets stand today, with no P.J. Washington, uh, J.T. Thor being in the rotation, it seems, is if we looked at it today, no backup point guard, 
probably running a nine-man rotation. Terry Rozier at backup point guard uh, spot. Spot minutes there. Gordon Hayward as well. Um, a really big role for Brandon Miller, which I'm just not sure he – well, he doesn't look like he's – like he's ready for 30 minutes a night. I'll, I will I will say that. Um, that's not hate. That's just what my eyes see. I don't think that he's ready for 30 minutes a night. I think that, you know, with Gordon Hayward's history, um, health-wise, that you really can't count on that and that that really hurts your depth. And when you take a look at the, at the depth at small forward, power forward, that there is none. Um, and so that's a worry at guard. There's a lot of depth, but how much of that is NBA caliber depth? Uh, not much. And so you don't have the depth once again, if you do sustain injuries, which you will, you'll have players miss extended time. You're, you're going to be without miles bridges for the first 10 games of the season. So that's, you could already look like that's, that's an absence. It's not injury related, but I mean, essentially miles bridges could go down with an injury after that. And then he's missing more time on top of what he's already going to miss. And so I don't believe your depth is good across the board with NBA caliber talent, which is something that Mitch stated last season. I have not done a good job of building the depth to where if this team sustains injuries that they can, you know, tread water in the meantime. And that's where I kind of feel like I'm at again today. It Once again, you know, Spider-Verse, the new Spider-Man came out. You know, it has the whole multiverse thing. There are multiple multiverses for the Charlotte Hornets. And there's a few that lead to the playoffs. But in there, there's a lot of things that have to go this, have to go right for the Hornets. Like things have to break well for them. That They can't sustain injuries to any of their lead players, whether that be LaMelo, Terry, uh, Miles, who's already missing time, Gordon Hayward, Mark Williams. Like, you can't miss extended time from those guys or you are drastically in a tough spot and you're already behind where you want to be. Because the depth in, in terms of quality behind those guys is not there. It's just not there. And so there's a lot of things that have to break right for the Hornets. I mean, Mark Williams just had surgery. He was injured last season. Even Mark Williams, right? Um, Gordon Hayward, you know of, obviously, LaMelo Ball had injury plague season. So, I mean, just banking on all, on that and everything going well and not sustaining major injuries for extended periods of time and then trusting in the depth that you currently have, I don't like that. And that's why I want the Charlotte Hornets to do something. If everything breaks well, if the Charlotte Hornets stay healthy and LaMelo Ball plays 70 games and Miles Bridges plays 65 and Gordon Hayward plays 60 to 65, and Terry Rozier is playing 65-70, and Mark Williams plays 65-70, to and all of those things fall right, and you have the guys only missing you know, a game here, a game there. Hopefully the guys play 70-plus, right? But if all of those things fall right, yes, I think that this is a playoff team. I do. I, I think people who have a Bleacher Report article came out that the Charlotte Hornets are 27th in their 
rankings as of today, I think that's crazy. Charlotte Hornets were a bottom four team last year with out Miles Bridges with my uh with LaMelo Ball only playing 36 games, with Mark Williams only playing a third of the season, with Gordon Hayward missing extended time, Terry Rozier missing extended time, uh Cody Martin missing the entire season, Kelly Oubre having to have midseason surgery on his wrist. I mean the top seven rotational guys for the Charlotte Hornets miss time throughout the season and like a lot. And so to say that they would still be a bottom four team with a near all-star coming back, who I still have questions about, he's been out of basketball for a year. So I, th- I think that's fair to ask, right? Um, it may take some time for him to get back up to speed. He's already missing 10 games. Will it take another 10 games for him to get up to speed? I hope not, because at that point, you're 20 games into the season and things could not be looking well for you. So, I mean, I I see a world where the Charlotte Hornets could be bottom again, right? But I don't think that that's the average. And then I also see worlds where the Charlotte Hornets could go all the way to the sixth seed. And, like, the Brooklyn Nets don't put fear into me. Uh, the New York Knicks don't strike fear. The Hawks don't. They're far removed from their Eastern Conference uh, finals appearance in the bubble. Um, the Bulls don't scare you. The Pistons don't. The Magic don't. I mean, the Charlotte Hornets, if things break right for them, could go all the way up to the sixth seed. If they, But then there's also multiple worlds where they're fighting for the final play-in position and could possibly even miss out entirely. I think... Play-in is more likely, uh, eight to ten seed. I think is the most likely outcome. But um, I don't like that Mitch Kupchak is just kind of. I think the talents in the system, and I think we just need to rock with it. Especially with PJ not being signed, especially with your backup point guard position not being addressed, and no vets in the locker room, which you stated once again that you would like to bring in here in the Lamelo Ball press conference. There have to be moves. They're just there have to be some moves that are made in order to make playoffs a reality. Because as we stand today, the depth is not there. I know it's just PJ Washington. He's not an all NBA caliber player. He's not an all-star player. He is a rotational player at best. Um at this point in his career. And that's probably where he will always be. But he's a key cog to any rotation league-wide. And no, there hasn't been a ton of uh, interest in P.J. Washington. Should you be paying him 20 mil a year? No, I'm not saying that. But for what P.J. can do, for the depth that he provides, I mean, he's played in 80% of games every year of his career. Uh, he's been he's been available, and he's your best 3 and D player, which every NBA team must have. Uh, he fills a gap. He fills a hole. Uh, he can guard multiple positions. Uh, he's nearly a 37% uh, three-point shooter for his career. I think you've got to have that. Backup point guard, we've seen what Terry Rozier is as a you know, backup point guard. And honestly, um, I, I just don't know if I want him in that role. Um, I just don't. I think I would like somebody else. I think I want, you know, 
Terry available off of LaMelo. I think that I want Terry available off of another guy who can create for him, whoever that backup point guard is, if he's running with the second unit at, you know, for stints and moments. Um, I think you need that. And then the vet is a must. And I've been beating this drum all summer long, all off season long. There has to be consolidation with this roster. And there's no reason to go into this season with Bryce McGowan's and Ty Jones and James Booknight and Nick Smith Jr. and JT Thor and any of these, uh, Amari Bailey. There's no reason to be going into games and those being five to six of your guys on the bench. Like, that just can't happen. And I don't think it's going to happen too often because, you know, Amari Bailey's on the two-way. He'll be spending a ton of time in Greensboro. He's not going to be getting any time with the actual Charlotte Hornets. But I don't want to really go into any games where you look at the end of your bench and those are your guys that are there. I just don't. I don't think that that's a recipe for a team that's serious about the playoffs. And getting minutes when guys go down. I, I I like some of those guys. Like the future versions of themselves, but the current version in the here and now and having to lean on that, man. I see what Mitch is saying, but like he is completely leaned it. He is doubling, tripling, quadrupling down. I put this tweet out the other day, and maybe I can give a little bit more uh, context to it on the draft. And all it, it, all eggs in the draft basket because he just does not use free agency to bring in additional talent. And it's it's one of the avenues in which you can team build. There were guys available, and and so look, the Charlotte Hornets tried to get Dennis Smith Jr. It didn't happen. The Hornets tried to get Aaron Holiday. He chose the Rockets, okay? So, I mean, the Charlotte Hornets have tried to bring in backup point guards, okay, two of them, and they've been shot down. Aaron Holiday chose the Houston Rockets over the Charlotte Hornets. That's frustrating, okay? When it comes to Mitch, you've got to keep I, – I obviously think that he's still trying. There have been some reports about DeLon Wright. Um, so I, you can't just flame the front office for not attempting to bring in backup point guards when they have, and those plans have fallen apart. Players chose to go elsewhere, elsewhere like DSJ. But – those moves in and of themselves, how much better is that making the roster? A little bit. It is. But, like, you got to have a backup to the backup. Like, there needs to be, you know, a trade out there for, like, I mean, you saw Patty Mills b- bounce around. He gives you vet. He gives you backup point guard. All he has to do is play 12 to 15 minutes a, a night. You want LaMelo Ball playing 33, 35 minutes a night anyways. You've seen Patty Mills bounce around. I thought that would be a great name for the Charlotte Hornets. He's been 
bouncing around, um, traded traded for a couple seconds. I mean, it's not that difficult to acquire some guys like that where you get your backup point guard and you get a vet. Dennis Smith Jr. isn't adding too much vetness. You want to create that word to the roster. Uh, Aaron Holiday isn't really providing that either. Uh, DeLon Wright, I don't know how much of a vet presence he's adding either. I think a guy like Patty Mills does do that. And, you know, I would have liked the Charlotte Hornets to pursue that that route. I think that that's fair. I think that's a fair ask to piece a second and maybe one of these young guys who you know is not going to work, i.e. James Booknight, you take a flyer um, and see if a team bites. And we'll exchange that for Patty Mills. Um, I just <laughs> – and no, maybe they don't want that. Maybe these teams don't want James Booknight. Maybe the – you know, it's not as simple. And maybe Mitch Kupchak is trying his best, right? But via trade, via uh, free agency, it just hasn't been a route that – Mitch Kupchak really looks to acquire talent. I mean, even in the trades that he's made, we're we're acquiring picks for the draft, right? Like we we trade away Jalen McDaniels, which I was in favor of. I was fine with that. That's another young guy, you know. Like I'd rather have Jalen McDaniels than James Booknight, right? But the 76ers wouldn't, okay? Not last season when they were making their playoff, you know, run but like we're trading for draft picks we don't actually trade for talent mason Plumley, we trade for a tw- for for an eighth grader a 20 28 second right um and then who we we re- receive in return reggie jackson and svi mihailuk and those guys have no future here in charlotte and nor should they but like when you trade we acquire more picks for the draft and you go into draft night with five picks on an already, you know, youth laden roster and you select four more and yes, an an additional two way. That's fine. Okay. But there has to be some consolidation. There has to be a grown up. There has to be an adult. There has to be somebody who's won at different levels uh, in their NBA career who can come in and be somebody who can calm the kids down and literally lead them, whether that be from the bench with some spot floor minutes, whatever the case may be. And we just don't have that. And you have an MLE in your back pocket and the Charlotte Hornets could have used that at any moment during free agency. And who do you sign with that? I I mean, there were players available. You had players available that were in that realm that maybe the Charlotte Hornets could have pushed a little harder for, you know, you can essentially offer a four year, $50 million deal. That's not chump change. You can go out and get somebody. You can also, do a partial MLE can offer less years, less money, bring somebody in that can make a difference. And, um, I don't know. Um, just haven't, haven't seen, 
the desire from the Charlotte Hornets front office to bring in outside talent. And it's just draft, 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 draft. And yeah, that has to be a part of it, but that doesn't have to be all of it. And I think that's where the frustration with Mitch Kupchak comes in is that's all he ever talks about is the draft. And there are other avenues in order to explore and to build this team and the Charlotte Hornets just have not pulled the trigger on those moves. And I think that they're, this is the crazy thing. I think they're just a couple of moves away from being so like solidly in the playoff picture. And that's why we just continue to hover around this play in talk, you know, bottom of the Eastern conference, because we just haven't made those final moves to bring in a vet, to bring in like a solid backup point guard, and to bring in one guy from the outside who can produce for your team and offer you something in an area that you lack. And I think that's where the frustration comes from the fan base and from when you hear Mitch Kupchak state well, I think all the talent's in the system, and I think that we're a playoff team. Yeah, if everything goes right, I agree with you. But if it doesn't, and when does it likely go right? I can see this team once again struggling and fighting and clawing and having to just fight and fight for a play-in spot, 9-10. And I don't want that. I Like, we're tired of waiting. We're entering year four of LaMelo Ball, and this team has zero playoff experience. Zero. Seven-game series, I'd like – it doesn't matter. This will be the last thing I say. It doesn't matter at this point if you get swept or gentlemen swept. Like, we just have to get in. We've seen what other teams, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Memphis Grizzlies – These young teams that make the playoffs, they don't have immediate success. You see the Brooklyn Nets last year. They got swept, but they got the playoff experience. Some of those guys had never played in the playoffs. Okay, now they had a lot of guys who have been on the Phoenix Suns who have played in an NBA Finals. So, I mean, they had, right? But for the players that they had pieced together, that team – as constructed, had never been in a playoff series together, okay? And they struggled. You saw that. It's going to take multiple cracks for this this Charlotte Hornets team to get into the playoffs before they have any playoff success. We We can't continue to just push that down the road again. Like, we just can't. Because it's going... You're not going to show up to the playoffs and just boom, on the scene, taking out a three seed, taking out a seven seed. It's time to roll. Let's go. Like it's we've we've seen what's happened in the play-in. Two 30-point blowout losses. You're not just going to show up on on the scenes in an actual seven-game series. You have to get that experience now. And the Charlotte Hornets are a couple of moves away from making that a reality. But I I don't want to hear how all of the talent is in the system currently because the depth is not there. 
It's the same depth that you had last season, and we saw what happened last season. Patrick Simon, part two, up now. So ideally where I actually see Brandon Miller is coming off the bench because day one, year one, I just do not see Brandon Miller being better than Miles Bridges or Gordon Hayward, and it just is what it is. And he's he's not strong enough to play the four to uproot P.J. there, um, and then I don't believe he's quick enough to play the two quite yet. I really see him kind of penciled in as a small forward right now until he can either, you know, catch up to NBA speed for guard speed and kind of get a real feel for, you know, trying to stay with two guards, with shooting guards, or bulks up. There was a lot of talk draft night about how Mitch saw him being able to guard four positions. I don't see that. I see him being, being able to guard one being able to stay with one, maybe. And um, just offensively, it doesn't matter, honestly, right? But right now, I see PJ, or I see, yeah, PJ will start at the four. But I see LaMelo point, Terry at the two, uh, Miles at the three, PJ at the four, Mark Williams at the five. And then at that point, random point guard, whoever the hell you end up signing, finally, in free agency, via trade, whatever happens, right? So random point guard, maybe it's Teo Maladon, we'll see. And then Cody Martin, Brandon Miller, Gordon Hayward, Nick Richards. And then then on that second unit, what you have is you'll have kind of a gap at the four still because Gordon Hayward's going to have to bang with maybe some big guys. But luckily for him in today's NBA, most power forwards are stretch power forwards. So it kind of works out for him. And so on that second unit, that gives you a point guard who can distribute, get you into your offensive sets. And then I think your secondary playmaker would be Gordon Hayward, actually. He can get you into your sets as long as he's healthy. He is in a contract year. He's in a contract year. I Something that is to key. watch. That is key. Something to watch is prior in prior seasons in Charlotte, possibly one of the reasons why Gordon Hayward was being so careful. I mean, you had the first season that he was in Charlotte. The Hornets were had a shot at the sixth seed for much of the season. And then even near the end, they had an opportunity to host the play-in as a seven or an eight seed and have two chances at making the actual playoffs. But Gordon Hayward was out with an ankle sprain. And so he ended up missing the final two months because he rolled it, I believe it was against Indiana. Mm-hmm. And so he was extremely cautious because that's his first year on his contract, right? And then his second season, the same thing happens. The Charlotte Hornets, best season we've had since 2016, 43 wins, all the things. Gordon Hayward goes down with another ankle sprain. It's contract year number two. He still has two years left on the deal. He's extremely cautious with it. They play it extremely safe. And then year three, we actually saw Gordon Hayward play through some injuries this season. He had the tape on his shoulder. 
you know, a lot of people were questioning of all times for Gordon Hayward to actually look like he's playing through an injury. Why now? Why not when the Hornets had the playoffs on the line? Mm-hmm. Yet I had those personal questions myself. But the fact of the matter is he's nearing the end of this contract. And no, is Gordon Hayward going to get a $30 million deal? Hell no. By no means is he going to touch that ever again. Mm-hmm. But he may could still get a $14, 15000000 million deal if he shows that he can play this season and plays through some injuries and he risks some things because he's looking for that next contract. He's what, 33? Mm-hmm. I think maybe, maybe like 34. He's getting up there. He's an he's old man. He's getting up there, but I mean, yeah. when he plays and he produces, he's still in line for another contract in the NBA from somebody. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so if Gordon Hayward just guts it through and plays through some injuries that maybe he hasn't in the past, I think he can be that secondary playmaker, and I think that he would go really well. Uh, I think that would open up a lot of things for Brandon Miller. And then, of course, you always you mix up the lineups. Everybody wants to see Brandon Miller play with LaMelo. Everybody wants to see kind of that LaMelo running point, Miles Bridges being able to apply his rim pressure, Brandon Miller spacing the floor as as well as LaMelo, and then Mark Williams just being that big body, pick and roll, guys rolling with him to the rim. Maybe they, you know, cheat down. Brandon Miller's open for the three. I mean, you got good things happening in the mind. There's so many different ways this lineup can work. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, there really is a lot of offensive firepower and potential when these guys are healthy. But I do foresee Brandon Miller, and I think personally in year one, I think he's actually going to fit the bench role best. I don't think that he's ready. <laughs> Near, I, I, I don't think he's ready for 30 minutes a night. I mean, I just watched mm-hmm. him in the summer league. There were times I didn't I, – I questioned certain things about him and his ability to do certain things such as self-create, such yeah. as being able to guard his man effectively – and mm-hmm. so, no, I don't think that he needs to be getting 30 minutes a night. But in a bench role, getting 18 to 20 until he can get his feet wet, and then he s- continues to develop and he you know, kind of proceeds in seeing how actual NBA games are run and gets the feel for it, I think that's when you can start to kind of tick that up as long mm-hmm. as it's producing well. And so that's where I, that's where I rest with Brandon Miller. I – I think he's best off of the bench to start with. I don't think he's better than any of the other starters, and it is what it is. And I want to just I want to just quickly touch on it real quick because I think you hit the nail right on the head. Because I think um, the first thing, the Randall Miller point, I think it really just depends how Charlotte views them. If they think he's a two, he can slide into the lineup easier um, into the starting lineup. If they view him as a two, I don't four is a horrible decision. If they try to put him there, he's not big enough. And I don't, I also, he also is coming off of, they were saying pre-draft he had mono. I don't think he, like you were saying, I don't think he has the conditioning yet. I think that could be the big thing. I don't think he still is conditioned enough, maybe even for a starting role and definitely not power forward. And then definitely what you were saying about Gordon Hayward. I think in a contract year with Gordon, he could be better than what we've seen. And even when he's been healthy, I mean, I'm looking at his uh, game, his, the game log from the end of the season. I mean, 22, 25, 22, 12, 16, 23. He was putting up good numbers. He just has to remain healthy, which sounds simple. But with Gordon Hayward, it never is.
it's never, never simple when it comes to health and Gordon Hayward. Those two, oh my gosh, the the amount of anger, the amount of frustration. <laughs> like, I'm not mad at him for getting injured ever. Like, mm-hmm. anybody can become injured, right? Just like I wasn't upset with LaMelo getting injured. Mm-hmm. The frustration is the recovery and how long, like, like it just kept going. Like we would Mm -hmm. be told he will be reevaluated in four weeks. And then you get to four weeks and it's like, he'll be reevaluated, reevaluated again. Yeah. And then you get to six weeks and it's like, he's going to be, you know, they're taking it one to one week at a time Mm -hmm. and he'll be Mm reevaluated each week. And it's like, Oh my gosh, this is infuriating. Like all we need is one or two wins and we're in the playoffs. Like, just give us 12 to 15 minutes of rotation per night to where we're not having to, you know, have additional minutes from JT Thor, who's still a teenager, or have (laughs) additional minutes from a Kelly Oubre, who is cold currently. From Absolutely. And, I mean, just all of these different things, it's like, bro, that's where the frustration with Gordon came in. It's not that he ever got injured. Like, Mm -hmm. that can happen to anybody. It was the length of the recovery time, and Mm -hmm. it just never seeming like he could get back on the floor. Like, it was going to take him twice as long to get healthy. And that's Mm -hmm. that's been the frustrating with Gordon. That coupled with Mr. 30 million per year dollar man. Like, absolutely. absolutely. it's It's just not a good recipe. But hopefully contract year, he can piece everything together. He'll possibly i think gut through some injuries um that maybe previously he would not and i think if that happens his playmaking can be you know a key cog to what this team needs especially out of a bench unit um rest of summer league who exceeded your expectations who so this summer league summer league was uh i would say probably a headache is the best way to describe it because especially when you're watching a summer league, you have to you have to be a, a sick individual to sit through Hornets summer league. <laughs> then we know they're going to lose, and we're a bunch of sick individuals. That's yeah, all absolutely. I got to say. Because absolutely. I'm pretty absolutely. sure I, I, I'm looking at two guys who did <laughs> just that, and just, I know of, yeah. I, I know of numerous others who did as well. So yeah, and it's I think okay, so. You're pro- I, for me, for me, after watching the Trailblazers game, after watching his first game and showcasing what he can do, I put Miller on my list as exceeded. I, I liked what I saw. I had question marks, but I, I liked what I saw. So I put exceeded. I also said this was a bit questionable, but I did say Nick Smith. Um, purely, the thing with Nick Smith is he does have a bit of tunnel vision at times, and he does have inefficiency issues. But he, you can see what Charlotte saw. He has a very good handle, good shot making. If he's inefficient a little bit in summer league when he's this young, okay, like that's fine. Like, but if if he can, he showed what he can do. Um, and then I had two two others. Hey, I want to interject right there. I want to interject. Yeah, I got you. Like, I I had uh, Nick Smith Jr. number nine on my draft board, on my personal board. That is. That is that is exactly what is when, when I was I'm waiting when, when this is this is kind of this is a little off topic but I'm waiting there on draft night and you know like when you're on Twitter and you're looking and people are throwing out names and they're like 
I saw someone say Nick's this was probably for like a different team, I feel like, because I follow a bunch of other just accounts. And they were like Nick Smith Jr. at like 12. And then I think I got up to go eat something, get go get something from the fridge. And I thought he gotten taken. And then by the time we get to our pick and they announce Nick Smith Jr., I'm going wild. I was probably more – I was way more excited for that than I was the Brandon Miller pick. Oh, same. Because, I, I mean, yeah, because I was like, there's no way that we got him to slide this far. Granted, that I've had I had that exact same feeling when James Booknight slid to us. So then I had to channel it down a little bit. <laughs> but <laughs> I was like, let's – I can uh, say, I can say. Yeah. That I did not have that reaction when James Booknight slid to us. I really, I was shaky on him. I was shaky on Booknight. I I loved Kai. I love yeah. I love trading up for Kai. I love the idea of it. It still hasn't worked out, and it may never work out, right? Yeah. But on James Booknight, I was just pretty meh. I was like, okay, I I hope it works out. But I with Nick Smith Jr. I was ecstatic when we when we drafted Nick Smith Jr. at 27. That because I too was I was full full on scoop, mm-hmm. and so when we drafted Nick Smith Jr. That helped me kind of flip the night to where it could be to where it was a bit optimistic. Okay, with a bit optimistic, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then um, I'm, I'm interested to see what you think about this one. I got in my exceeded. I got Big James from Barcelona. Oh I, no doubt. Yeah. Oh absolutely. no doubt. Absolutely. I'm oh baby. There. Talk I'm to me. No, talk to me, Patrick. <laughs> I'm okay. So I'm sitting there on draft night. First off, I I'd watch the first round at a buddy's house. I get home and I, I sit down. I'm setting up, setting everything up for the second round, and I see. I'm I'm looking. So I, they announced it. And I'm not too familiar with the name. I hadn't done. Too, I hadn't really done too much pre-draft workout on center. Pre, pre, pre-draft work on centers, and I'm looking, and I'm like, number three ranked for centers. And then I'm looking at it, and I'm like, seven foot, seven foot two fifty. And then I'm looking at, oh, he's eighteen. Yeah, I'm eighteen. Yeah. I'm sitting here discussing the Hornets. He's the one playing. So Absolute freak. he is a. He he has a he has a his, his touch around the rim definitely needs to get a little bit better. But he could literally walk into the gym without picking up a basketball. He's seven foot two fifty and he's eighteen. Like that that's fine with me. Everything else on top of that is icing on the cake. We know he can rebound. We know he can shot block. We know he's physical in the paint. Um, a couple times he got pushed around a little bit on defense, but I feel like that's more him not being completely adjusted to the defensive system and probably looking around. Um, if he can get, I mean, I there's. There's, I'm not sure if you know about this, but where is he going this year? Because the report was that he was going to go play another year in Barcelona. But then I saw some stuff that was coming out and they were like releasing his official jersey. And it was like, I'm not sure. Have you heard anything on that? Yeah. So Barcelona recently signed Billy Hernan Gomez, former Charlotte Hornets legend. Oh, my. And so <laughs> Billy is penciled in as the starting center for Barcelona to where James Naji thought that that was going that he, he would was going be to come be back stepping and be started. into that role or possibly at least in competition for that starter position but now with old big billy heading to Barcelona that has put a wrinkle into the plans and so now there is a possibility that we see James Naji in a Charlotte Hornets jersey this upcoming season. We'll see mm-hmm. where 
I mean, we'll see how it goes. He I think still, I think he could, he, he'll still yeah. have more opportunity in Barcelona than Absolutely. he will with the Hornets for this season. Even Absolutely. though, even though I think that he is more prepared and more NBA ready, or at least I won't say NBA ready, but he's more ready to produce positively for the Charlotte Hornets. Exactly. That is exactly how I feel. That's exactly how I feel. I don't believe this is a situation where we, we're going to have to wait, where we're going to be watching this guy overseas for five seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Wondering when he's going to translate. When he's going to come over. Game. He, I think it's going to happen I mean, pretty soon. I watched Bismack Biombo play basketball. If he can come out there and play good defense and get a – I mean, good defense, shot block, rebound, and then get a couple good positive plays on offense and not just be a bowling pin, sign me up. Sign me up because that is all I need. And then if you send him – and then if he plays in Greensboro after seeing after seeing how the summer league team went, maybe we don't want him in Greensboro. But if he has to go in Greensboro and come up because – there, Kai cannot play center. I cannot. Kai cannot play center in the NBA. I don't think he can. I love Kai. I love his motor. I love his personality. Forward either. He, so yeah, where and he, it's, he's, so where can he play? <laughs> he, I, that 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 that'll be my next topic because I, I think if he stays, if he stays in Charlotte, James, I think that it would be, it wouldn't be bad. People were like, oh, he needs to go and develop. He can stay in Charlotte, and then Nick Nick Richards or Mark Williams goes down with an injury. You can just throw him in. Like, there's no, there's no, like, will he be ready? Just throw him in. He is 250 pounds and seven feet tall, and he is young. He will learn. This is not like an aged veteran. This is a young, young man that will go out there and give you a hard 25 minutes if the situation arises. So I think he's fine. I, I think if you, if, if then you need to throw him in, it's perfectly fine. So, so did you have any more for your exceeded expectations? I had so as we started talking, I have Kai with a question mark because he I don't know where to put him because we had exceeded and then did not meet. And Kai kind of just floats because he had the first game where he had two points, which were both off free throws. And then he had the last couple games, which were nice. Like he was euroing around, he was getting some good rebounds, his dunk on Weapon Yama, he was getting blocks off the glass. But then it's like he does that. And then he looks around on defense, gets back cut, somebody dunks it, and then he gets subbed out of the game. So it's like you – in my article, I they, like there was literally a just a, just a whole section of just Kai Jones, and I I don't know what to do with him because you can't send him back to Greensboro. He, it's it's too late. He, he's what he's learned. He's learned what he can learn. He can't be in the summer league ever again. He's just stool. You're going. You're going. You're going to be year four. That's not happening either. So they, if they want to move on, they can move on. He has a high motor. And you know he's giving the effort. So it's like, I think they're basically just, just praying, can he figure it out? He has the athleticism. He has the highlight plays, but there is no consistency. And with the Charlotte Hornets, what we're seeing is they're looking for consistency. And that's my drawback with Kai. There's that that that'll be because like if he if he goes in this season and he and then he gets a couple short bursts and he isn't playing well. Mitch Kupchak sitting up in that GM office just saying it's over. Like, where we got to trade him, we can't – because we know how high they are in JT Thor. He's going to – JT Thor right now is going to be in front of him. So, if if PJ comes back and JT Thor's first is going to be the power forward off the bench, where does Kai go? Like, 
he's not going to play any sort behind of behind JT Thor. Yeah. <laughs> behind JT Thor. So we're like, and then at that point, we're looking at like what the eleventh man, twelfth man on the bench. And Steve Clifford, a lot of times, can if it depending Harder. on how he's feeling, he yeah, he's not going to go that deep. So I, I don't know. Did you have anything else on that? I only had one exceeded expectations in summer league, and that was James Najee. He's the only really? one. He's yeah. the only one. Because when I looked at it, I looked at this Charlotte Hornets team, and I saw two, three-year players or going into their third yeah. year, right? Yeah. And James Booknight, Kai Jones. And then I was high on Nick Smith uh, Jr. He was number nine on my draft board. Um, and so I thought that he could actually go in and translate pretty well. Mm-hmm. Brandon Miller, number two overall pick. I wanted to see number two overall pick play from him. And mm-hmm. for too, too often, when I looked out on the floor, it was a mess. It was discombobulated. There's a lot of pieces that just didn't work together, and they just couldn't figure it out on the fly. Even mm-hmm. game two, like they played one game, game two, like – you would think that they would kind of look around and say, okay, that didn't work. Let's try to, let's try to, you know, work this thing differently. And mm-hmm. that didn't happen. And it was still a mess. Mm-hmm. And we got to game three mm-hmm. and it was still a mess. And then we got to game four and it's yeah, still a mess. And so it was just a lot of mess. And so when I start looking mm-hmm. at exceeding expectations, there was only one guy that did that. And that was James Najee. He can move his feet. Well, he's big, he's strong, he's athletic. He looked capable defensively. So, I mean, centers mm-hmm. across the NBA are not – they're not graded upon what they can provide offensively. It's defensively. And so, right now, if James Najee can't go in Absolutely. and get you 10 points a game, I don't give a rip. I do not care. Absolutely. All I need is for my center to be able to hold down the paint to where he can mm-hmm. guard the pick and roll – he, and then he can protect the rim. And James Naji sh- demonstrated that he can do that sooner than later. And so I think yeah. I is in a tough spot. I think on draft night, you go back to draft night, you could see James Booknight, you're in the danger zone, kid. And then after the summer league you just had, even more so. Because Absolutely. when you draft Nick Smith Jr. and then Kai Jones, danger zone. When the Charlotte Hornets draft James Naji. Those two guys are on the chopping block. And so they have they have to demonstrate, they have to show that they belong, that they've been here for multiple years now, that they've been playing professional basketball, that they've been on the senior team, that they've received minutes there, that they've been in Greensboro receiving tons of minutes there, practicing, getting work with NBA uh, coaches and playing along in NBA players and being in NBA weight rooms and locker rooms. They should, you should be able to tell and you cannot tell. And And, that is quite telling. And that's where I want to go with, with my last point for what we we wanted to go over tonight. For my did not meet number one on this list, James Booknight. And the, the thing is, is when you are going into summer league as a year three player, as a first, if maybe if you're undrafted, if you're trying to grab onto a roster, it's different. If you are a first round pick in the NBA in the year three summer league, this is not, there's some exceptions, but in this case, you are not going, they're not sending you in to say, okay, let's, let's go get some reps guys. Let's go get a little bit better. It's, this is a wake up call. You should be, you should be putting up 25, 30 first game. 
and then they and then they pull you out. Jim Booknight did not do that. First game, second, first game, he was like 10 points, but it was inefficient. Second, third, four. I mean, all these games are going by. He's chucking a shot, walking back on defense, chucking a shot, walking back on defense. And it's, and I, I, I mean, I'm not really sure what you do at this point because we know, I mean, he showed it in his last summer league game that he played. And honestly, they pulled him. I don't think they should have pulled him. They, they pulled him for the last game. I wouldn't have. There's no reason to. He showed his shot making. Okay. He showed that he can get he can get up around the rim and he played pretty good defense. But motor-wise and his mental part of the game, he needs to be doing that first game. Like he should have literally if I if he was sent to summer league if year three as a someone that was and I tagged it in my article, people had him going as high as six. I would be I would be ecstatic. I mean, I, I'm not 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 I mean I, I would be flying around there's he is his i honestly think and this is the big thing the hornets need a locker room veteran that can these guys that are the james book knights because i th- honestly i think that's why Lamelo has fared so well with all, like off the court and why his morale is so good he had bismack biombo there day one just day one saying this is what you do this is what you don't do i feel like a lot of the young guys on the team and i, I remember i don't know if you saw this but the isaiah thomas tweet about um, that the, they need someone in Charlotte to fix the culture. We need that. And I think James Booknight is the perfect example of lack of locker room leadership because there's got to be someone screaming in his ear, you cannot have bad body language at this stage of your career. If you are in summer league year three, you need to be sprinting back. You need to be, I mean, you need to be playing your best ball. And this hurts me to say, I like I liked James Booknight. I actively have a James Booknight jersey hanging in my closet right now. Granted, did I get it h- half off on the last night of the season? Yes, that that did happen. But, <laughs> but but I still own the jersey. So it hurts because through his first year, James Booknight's first year in the league, it was horrible because it was like, why isn't he getting the opportunities? Why isn't he getting the touches? And we were saying, why is he still on the bench? And then people were blaming Borrego. And then I don't, and I, I assume you would remember the uh, Borrego incident when he, when Booknight and Borrego had the exchange on the bench. Me personally, I, I was look, I, I, I sided with Booknight. I was saying Borrego has these issues with minutes. There's something going on. Book needs his minutes. Second year, different coach. Steve Clifford likes him. Like I, I and each article that came out, Steve, Steve Clifford likes Booknight. Oh, and the book, I mean, direct quotes, direct quotes from Clifford. I like book night. I work with them. I keep them close to my hip. So it's not about opportunity. It's not about coaching. It's about his production. And he showed his shot making. He showed his, he can get up around the rim in the final game. But someone needs to be in his ear saying this, these opportunity. this is it. Because summer league was it for book night. He's going into, I mean, talk on Twitter was, is he going to be there for training camp? So he, someone needs to be in his ear saying, you now have training camp and you have preseason. And then that's it. I mean, I assume someone could pick him up on a G League squad, but right now he has, he's charting, he, he's charted down. He's, he's done. I have hope because of his talent and what his flashes have been when he performs. 
but he does not perform enough to give me enough hope in him. No, he does not. <laughs> and I really have nothing else to add to that. <laughs> it just, it is what it is. I've spoken exhaustion about it on previous and prior episodes. You guys know how I feel about all of the listeners. You guys know how I feel about James Booknight at this point. And it's nothing personal. He had a good final game in which he played in, and that's about it. It really didn't help much uh, other than hopefully it helps his confidence. Hopefully it proves to him again that, you know, he can produce. But, yeah, that's about that. Um, As far as my guys who did not meet my expectations that I had prior to Summer League, sure, James Booknight was one of them. Uh, but possibly bigger was Bryce McGowan's. And absolutely, that's because I held Bryce McGowan's in higher regard than I do James Booknight. And mm-hmm. I expected more out of Bryce McGowan's. I really didn't expect that much out of James Booknight at this point. I think that even prior to this, I hoped that in this setting that he would still be able to go out there and get you 20. He couldn't do that. So at that point, it's just like, man, what Book Knight does not offer you enough anything to give him any minutes whatsoever in a rotation ever. Mm-hmm. But Bryce McGowan's, I was like, there's something there. There's man, something there. But there wasn't something there this summer league. And that was the, that was there the wasn't. issue. There wasn't. Mm-hmm. He had a mm-hmm. better last game as well. Um, I think he went seven of 15 from the field yeah it was it was efficient and he was able to get to the rim he was efficient uh but he just it's almost like Bryce McGowan's saw the writing on the wall that oh the Charlotte Hornets brought in more guards they brought in Nick Smith Jr. on draft night once again just the same thing with Kai and, and Book that I already stated brought in Nick Smith Jr. brought in Brandon Miller brought in Amari Bailey I think I think McGowan's was looking around and saying, where do I fit in on this roster? I'm on a four-year deal, and they invested into me, but that doesn't mean anything because now I got a bunch of guys that I have to compete with just to get minutes. And mm-hmm. I think that's where you saw some of his tunnel vision. I think that, that's where that, you saw nail on the wasn't, head. Nail on the head. Yeah, he wasn't he wasn't wanting Absolutely. to distribute to guys because he wanted to he, self-create to set himself apart from them. And by he, doing so, ooh. he forced the issue way too much to where he ended up looking way worse than if he would have just made the correct basketball play. What I don't know is when these summer league guards will understand this is so this is something I'm gonna get heated about. When will summer league guards understand? You look better if you pass. Yeah. Um. Unless the old like, unless you're Nick Smith Jr. who went out against the Trailblazers and had thirty, and you're putting your head down. Unless the ball is going in the basket, you need every single time. You cannot put your head down, no. especially in summer league. Collapse I mean, we're watching Brian. I mean, Brandon Miller would be open. Book would be open. Everyone would be open, and he would get the ball, and he would. I honestly, I think I might have screenshots from when I was watching some of the film. There would be times where he would look to his left, he'd look to his right, and he would take it in. And it would go, I mean, hard off the glass, around the rim. And it was just like, you can pass the ball. And it was, 
I didn't even it, it was hard because when I was um when I was looking back at it, it's like he's in this weird situation because he's not bright. Or not sorry, he's not book and he's not Kai where he's not in the year three and then he's not in the rookie situation. So he's kind of just in the middle ball hogging. And I feel like he's they're looking they're, they're probably they probably wouldn't pay attention to Bryce as much because they're they're really evaluating book and Kai because they're year three. And then you're looking at all the rookies. And I feel like Bryce kind of just needs to float in there. Just put up a, an efficient 10 or 15, get a couple assists, get out of there. But now I feel like he's leaving summer with his stock way down. Yeah, I agree. And that's what <laughs> – and look, there's a lot of t- discussion about whether or not the Charlotte Hornets should have played some more traditional point guards like they did in the final game where you saw Kobe Simmons getting minutes mm-hmm. and different guys with NBA – pedigree and who have been playing in the G league for years. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm not upset about that. I'm not upset about giving the young guys and seeing guys who will actually that you're wanting to see, can they produce in this fashion on the senior squad? Let's play them at point guard. Let's run it. Let's see what happens. We didn't get the answers we wanted, but we got answers. We got a, <laughs> we got some answers. That's, I mean, we got them, not the ones we wanted, but we not the we ones definitely we wanted, got them. <laughs> Patrick, I have enjoyed having you on, man. You have an article. You've referenced it multiple times. You have an article coming out for Hornets lead. It will be dropping this week. So everybody, make sure that you're looking for that. We're gonna post that. We're gonna blast that so that all of you guys can read. All of Patrick's thoughts on Summer League as he just did just an overview of all things Brandon Miller, Kai Jones, James Booknight, etc. But Patrick, let everybody know, you know, where you are on social media and where they can find you, all of the above. All right. So I'm I didn't I don't I kind of jumped in kind of at the beginning. Uh, my name's Patrick Simon. I'm a rising freshman at NC State University. You can catch me at Twitter, uh, PC Simon 23. Um, I'm on Instagram, Patrick Simon. Simon has three N's at the end. Uh, Feel free to hit me up. Always talking Hornets, always talking everything. Um, Looking for a career in sports media, and I'm really enjoying the opportunities that I've been getting from my buddies at the league. Yes, sir. Hornets lead is on the up and up. Be looking for Patrick's work as his article once again will be dropping this week. Thanks for listening to everybody. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, follow, all of the things you know what to do. I'm your host, Joshua Balta. You can find me on Twitter, at Balta77. You can find me at Hornets Lead as I run Hornets Lead's account on all the platforms, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Threads now. All the cool kids on Threads. Go check (laughs) us out on Threads, right? (laughs) But make sure that you follow. Stay in touch with all of the things that the lead is doing, that the Hornets lead is doing this summer as we bring you content, we bring you articles, we bring you podcast episodes, social media content, all of the above. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Until next time, adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops, presented by the lead. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops.